I'm Colton. And I'm Kalen. And, and this is the Future of Thought. We are in the midst of a pandemic. Pandemics inherently hold a dichotomy within them. Countries that respond proactively, those that shut down borders early, quarantine those who are ill, are often viewed as overreacting. Yet countries that wait to respond until you have a number of cases or even deaths, those that are reacting to the situation, in the case of a pandemic, are often responding too late. This is an interesting dichotomy, and yet both approaches by governments and countries receive equal amounts of criticism. If you act proactively, uh, you get targeted by the public for overreacting, inducing fear in the public, and preventing something that might not that might otherwise not even be a challenge to the public whereas if you act you know as it happens as an outbreak occurs you get blamed for deaths you get blamed for not stopping the preventable and so you see this double-sided blade being thrust at uh, governmental institutions around the world as they try to respond to the current COVID-19 coronavirus uh, pandemic today as of March 21st, we're looking at 300,000 cases, roughly 13,000 deaths, uh, and roughly 200,000 currently infected patients. Uh, huge numbers, and possibly the largest numbers we will see in our lifetimes. Uh, numbers uh, during the swine flu pandemic were higher in the United States but one thing to note here is that oftentimes the coronavirus is uh, being drawn parallels to flus, influenzas, uh, and even the seasonal flu, uh, of which the swine flu, the H1N1 uh, disease, has become a part of. The difference here is that, well, there's, there's no precautions towards the coronavirus. There's nothing to prevent it besides you know, practicing the same thing that every doctor and every TV show host and, uh, and every other person will tell you, which is washing your hands and staying a safe distance from everybody. And we're not here to continue saying this, you know, these same tips uh, and be monotonous in that sense. We're here to talk about more with the fear and the pushback that the public often gives the government after their decision-making and how we can act better as, as a general public towards knowing when to panic or not panicking at all in the, in the first place and knowing uh, what the right level of caution is moving forward. Because in the United States, we're hitting just about 25,000 cases and just about 300 deaths as of March 21st, as I said. And you go to grocery stores, you go to uh, massive retailers, and you see empty rows, empty aisles uh, where goods used to be, whether it's food or, in America, especially toilet paper. Um, people have run through and basically sacked these places dry. And the way it's being sold to me by news articles, by media, and by uh, 
uh, witnessing it firsthand, it, it seems like an overreaction because I, I don't remember the last time uh, I was told that toilet paper was out of production and factories were going to be shut down because of the coronavirus. Same thing with food. I, I don't think the, the supply chain of food is being impacted in a critical way. That means, uh, you know, severe reduction of food for people. And maybe I, I just, I'm not aware of the entire situation, but it, here we are in the United States where our government was in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, extremely reactive and almost careless, at least uh, if you look through the lens of the pres- president of the United States, Donald Trump, and here we are now reacting to it. Um, the government is, in my opinion, a little late to respond. But I think with the, co- the the precautions that we're taking now, it'll help reduce the spread and hopefully help us towards combating the virus. But you still get skeptics and you still get extreme uh, preparationists sitting here uh, blaming the government one way or another. When really, I think I need I think we need to sit down and think about this uh, logically and with intent. How can we best prepare without? being extreme, whether it's one side or the other. To visualize the response taken, uh, particularly in the United States, to this virus, I love to think of a pendulum. Initially, two months ago, one month ago, even a couple weeks ago, the general public was told by federal government, ultimately the president, that we had nothing to fear, right? We, we could be laissez-faire in the face of this soon-to-be pandemic. That is one end of this spectrum. And as of, oh, I don't know, maybe a week ago, middle of March, we swung this pendulum completely to the other side. We have the president, again, Revoking what he stated, claiming that what he had originally stated wasn't true, that this is a major problem. As soon as we had deaths in this country due to COVID-19, we immediately entered this state of panic. Now, every individual is different. The United States is a large group of different mindsets, and I love that. So I'm not generalizing the whole country. But the federal response we were given, the one in which you presume there are advisors speaking to this individual or a number of individuals, this response was consistent for a while, saying one thing, and then now is consistently saying another thing. And to me, this comes across as dangerous because there's no middle ground, right? You want to find a balance. I think what's most important is knowledge. If you can share the truth of this virus, this pandemic with the general populace, if they can understand the facts and they're getting them consistently from, let's say, the president or their their governors or their mayors, and, and many are doing better than others. I'm not accusing everyone. But if everyone knows the truth, then they at least have the chance through their own willpower to make good decisions. 
Let's look at Florida right now. To the best of my knowledge, up until yesterday, and maybe even today, I, I don't know for sure, we had a number of college-age students. I don't, when I say a number, I mean many crowds, many, many groups holding parties in Florida on the beaches. And you see their interviews and often the response is, well, I'm not going to get sick, right? They're astutely aware that these younger individuals won't get sick or, or often if they do, it's very minor. They likely won't die. They're just pressing their luck. But what hasn't been shared well enough, what hasn't been told to them, what knowledge hasn't been shared, so to speak, is the fact that once you go back home, once you go visit your grandparents, you are then putting them at risk. If you get your grandparents sick due to your negligence and they die, part of that blame is whether directly or indirectly on you. Again, for that negligence. Now, I'm not saying educating the general public is entirely feasible, and I'm not saying it's the perfect answer. But if you start there, you start doing that early, you're proactive, and then you see how the general public responds, we may have two months for individuals to stock up on supplies, for supply chains to cope with the demands. And if that's still a problem, then of course, enact quarantines, isolation, Remain in your home orders. Things like that are certainly necessary. Um, as of today, I believe three states have at least um, stay in your home orders. California, New York, and Illinois. I could be wrong, but I believe it's those three. And that's very valid. Admittedly, it's reactive as the United States has finally started testing. You know, we've tested 100,000 people in a country of somewhere between three and 400 million. And South Korea's tested a few hundred thousand people in much quicker amount of time, in a much smaller nation. Not a small nation, but they've been a lot more efficient with it, right? So ultimately, this is more of an, an opinion, but I think knowledge is so valuable that if the general public was aware of what the true impacts of their actions are, and they weren't told, this is just another flu. I'm not saying spread fear and Say the world's going to hell. But if you can educate the general public, especially youth who are coming upon spring break and they want to party and they want to hang out with their friends and, well, to be terse, touch a lot of people. then the general public has a better chance of reacting appropriately. And maybe we'd be able to stifle the spread of this virus in the United States today. And we wouldn't have to swing on this pendulum of ideas. We wouldn't have to change our view just to appease the general populace. Because if they know the truth already, they're just going to expect you to respond appropriately. Did that make any sense, Kaylin? Do you see what I'm saying? I think so, yeah. One example of of how a more calm and more educated public can help uh, find a stronger middle ground where we can act uh, 
more wisely um, is on campus or at least on our college campus, uh, the one me and Colton lived on before we moved out uh, due to the coronavirus, we, we met many skeptics. Many skeptics are in our age group because as, as you previously stated in, your, in, in, your, in bringing up the story of you know, partying college students on, on Florida's beaches, uh, we think we're immune to the virus. And I, I'm going to say immune because that's really how we're acting and how we're approaching the situation. The thing that's very dangerous about the coronavirus is, and it's twofold, which is why I always think drawing comparisons to the flu is just, uh, I think, a dangerous thing to do, is that not only do we have no vaccine, of course, we have no preventable measures other than, you, you know, doing the, the same things every doctor, every TV show host, every media, news media uh, tells you, which is washing your hands and uh, staying safe distances from people. And the other thing is that even if we aren't affected, like you said, it can go to more elderly people, whether that be their grandparents or their parents or older folk that they know and inadvertently hurt them. And so we need to exercise caution. And and one thing I want to make clear is that the coronavirus is nothing like, you know, if you've seen the movie Contagion, it's nothing like the MEV1 virus. It's not going to have some insane death rate that's going to kill one in two people. Uh, it's not going to spread like measles. But this thing is is definitely something to be concerned about because as you look at the numbers, um, of which we can post in the description of our podcast in case you're ever curious, uh, where we find our numbers and information. Uh, if you look at the numbers, they're growing rapidly, and so are deaths. And it's looking like this thing may have a slightly greater than, or maybe even much greater than, death rate than the flu. Uh, it's hard to tell because we just do not know right now. And, and that's the other dangerous thing. We just do not know a lot about this virus. There are a lot of things that you can look up about it's how it operates, how it injects into your cells, um, I mean, it's very common to things like the common cold, or very similar, I should say. And so we need to be careful. And what I want to urge to everyone listening is that instead of being you know, nonchalant about the scenario, and instead of going out and buying 70 pounds of toilet paper for, for no reason other than panic, think about it. Think about this issue and what it's looking like for people outside of the USA. Because right now in the US, it, it can be hard sometimes to see the actual effects of the virus on people. You see it in supermarkets, you see it in malls, and you see it on the roads because there are less people around. But until you've seen what it's like in a hospital, which even I don't have experience in and can only share through other stories that have been recounted to me... I just think there's no reason not to be cautious. And so I want to go back to the beginning point of our reactive versus proactive government. You brought up how, and so did I, we both brought up how uh, President Donald Trump has said differing opinions on the situation as it's developed. Um, and in my opinion, it's been fairly reactive, but... 
There's no use in blaming the government now as it becomes more proactive. What needs to happen is instead of being a skeptic and instead of being a super prepper, find somewhere in the middle that you're not buying all the toilet paper and leaving people like me and Colton shit out of luck when we try to go to the to the store to buy toilet paper. And, and instead, uh, just know what precautions you have to take. There's been some misinformation on this, uh, on this virus. Um, me and Colton haven't seen too much fear mongering. Of course, it exists, um, and we've watched many epide- uh, epidemiologists and scientists discuss this thing. And really, when it comes down to the numbers, um, it looks bad. And when it comes down to the virus, we just don't know enough. And so I urge you to be careful and to be safe and to really just look at the numbers and not blow it out of proportion. But also don't don't sit there and be and, and think you're invincible because clearly this thing has uh, has learned how to spread and it did very quickly. Admittedly, we must accept tweaks to our way of life. Fortunately, I know of um, antigen tests that are in development and will soon be available. And that, uh, to clarify, would be able to test if you've had the virus in the past, if you can go back into the workforce, for example. But if we continue to follow the instructions of medical professionals, for example, rather than simply federal level politicians not that they're all wrong and not saying they're corrupt but if you can follow medical professionals this is what they do and if you can accept that your way of life might be different for a while people aren't trying to infringe on our freedoms just for shits and giggles they're doing it to save the general populace in front of Kaylin and I we have a a screen with all the statistics as of today Live, refreshed 10 seconds ago, statistics. And we are looking at thousands of new cases and hundreds of deaths. Italy, for example, today, 793 deaths so far. The only difference between Italy and the United States, ultimately, is there are a couple weeks ahead of us on this exponential curve of virus spreading. That's it. They have a good healthcare system. They have a relatively old populace, but not that much different than the United States. They're just a couple weeks ahead of us. We can use history as the best experiment. If we look at two weeks ago where Italy was in death count and see that it's comparable to the U.S. and then do the same with other countries and line them all up, you can see where we're headed or if we are to respond accordingly. So ultimately, be okay with a slightly different lifestyle. We're fortunate enough to have internet access. We can do online schooling. Amazon can ship stuff to almost anywhere in the country. We have access to resources that allow us to isolate ourselves, isolate the elderly, isolate those who are immunocompromised, until we get a vaccine, until we develop this herd immunity. And once we've accepted this, not because we're afraid, and not because we need months and years worth of toilet paper, 
not because there's panic, but because we're just trying to approach this critically and save the lives of those around us. And just do our part. If we can accept this, listen to the medical professionals, and ultimately, ultimately, we can be responsible for doing a small part in saving the lives of so many people. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, arguably hundreds of thousands of people across this nation and across the globe. There's nothing wrong with buckling down for a couple months and trying to take responsibility for your actions and know that you're doing something good for the world. Take this as a PSA in some way from us to everyone that you or your friends might know, uh, everyone in the public, that we really hope that we can all move forward together thinking level-headed and not acting on impulse. If we want these numbers to slowly decrease in gain, basically flatten the curve, we need to start being careful. Not only does that begin with washing your hands and staying you know, far away from people, that begins also with understanding that you have to know this thing is a threat, but not panic. Before we continue, we'd like to make a quick announcement. We run this podcast ad-free. Of course, with the trial version of Spotify, for example, some ads are simply out of our control. However, we will never run third-party ads during the Future of Thought podcast. This podcast acts to provide accessible, unhindered discourse for all who listen. Because of this, we rely on you, the listener, to support this podcast. Support us by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the future of thought and selecting the tier of your choice. Regardless of how much or how little you choose to donate, you are a greatly appreciated listener. Now let's get back to the podcast. One thing to bring up uh, before this episode comes to a close, and, and this will be a relatively shorter episode because we, we just wanted to talk about how pressing this coronavirus issue is and how uh, one thing that's not being talked about often enough in, in our opinions is how there, there has been no middle ground in the response to action and the spread of the virus. You know, People are still skeptical and people are still thinking it's the apocalypse when it's neither. It's neither safe nor the end of the world. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a certain amount of realism that's needed to to sway away these really extreme beliefs about this this whole pandemic. Um, because if if we don't change that, we'll keep buying up all this tissue paper. I'll keep going to the store, looking down the aisles, and seeing that there's nothing left for me to grab, which is is truly unfortunate. And, and not only to just me, but to the people who don't have the opportunity to get there until it's too late and they don't have anything left for them. So, before I, I bring this to a close, as I said, I wanted to bring up an interesting point about fear. Because really, what drives all of this, what acts as the catalyst to uh, much of the decision-making during something like a pandemic is fear. Um, 
some excerpts out of a book I read on uh, on how fear can control pandemics and their and the reaction to them is that these these social ideas of barriers, you know, country borders, nation borders, and uh, distancing yourself psychologically from others because they're different people, they're far away on the globe. Um, it makes you feel secure. It makes you feel safe. And not until it's on your doorstep do you feel threatened. And in the future, I think it'd be wise to no longer practice that. To practice knowing that we no longer live in a world where it takes four months for a ship to go from uh, one side of the world to the other. And now it takes mere hours. Hours that you can count on your fingers for a person to be on one side of the world and be halfway to the other. So, in our digital world, in our massly, our widely connected world, excuse me, we need to practice a new type of caution and a new type of thinking when it comes to looking at growing pandemics and growing viruses or bacterial infections. Whatever may be spreading to cause epidemics will soon cause pandemics because our world is so interconnected in a way that really hasn't been for many other viruses of this nature. Um, so we need to control that fear. We live in a new era and we need to attack this virus with a new attitude. As a wise individual once said, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. As we become afraid of this virus, we begin to hate it. We react in ways which are not beneficial. We take diapers and toilet paper and canned goods from those who live week to week, month to month, paycheck to paycheck. And this leads to their suffering. And if we act through negligence, we can be the cause of tangible suffering of those elders and those immunocompromised around us. But on the flip side, if we listen to the public health officials, if we respond accordingly, if we stay sound and just buy what we, what we need, we, as a human race, as a human species, can defeat this virus. And I would argue any other challenges we will face in the future.